Hello, my name is Grace Vaughn. I'm a part of Omega, our high school student ministry, and I'll be reading John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen. Thanks, Grace. John chapter 10, if you've got it, turn there. If you've got a notebook, pull it out. If you've got an iPhone, jump off of Instagram and onto John chapter 10. I'm going to camp out in these verses today. One of the things that we learned about life in 2020 and the beginning of 2021 is there are a lot of voices out there vying for our opinion, for our affection, for our direction, for our hearts, for our lives. And this has happened in every area of the world, whether it be Facebook or our group texts on our phones or the opinions of our loved ones, even in the context of professional sports. I never realized how much voices have to do with sports until watching uh, limited amounts of sports this last year with an audienceless arena. Basketball, like the NBA, the dunk contest felt very different to me without a crowd and the voices screaming and cheering for the players on the court. Now, the 49ers had a dilemma as they stepped into their shortened season this year. Back in September, they realized that crowd noise and the voices in the stands actually are a help to the home team at Levi Stadium. And most of the time in football, the voices of the coaches are very important, but the coaches want to get their voices into the ears of their players and no one else's. This is why you see coaches on TV like holding things over their face. This is why we see people whispering and huddling. And with no crowd noise, it became evident pretty quickly that the opposing team would be able to hear every play that any coach called out. The defense would be able to hear the offensive plays. The offense on the other team would be able to hear the anticipatory defensive plays. And so the coaching staff of the 49ers realized, we've got to figure out how to pump some voices into the stadium to make it so that our players can hear the voice we want them to hear. And the opposing teams cannot hear the voices from our mouths. And the truth is, in our world, there are a lot of voices vying for our attention. We felt this. Feel like we're being tugged and pulled. We know that God loves us and has a wonderful plan for his life, but some of us realize that our parents also love us and have a wonderful plan for our life. And we're wondering, which voice do I listen to? What do you do when you've got a big decision to make? And it feels like every person you talk to has a different opinion. And all you want is to hear the voice of God, but God always feels to be the most silent 
of them all. And God speaks in a still, small voice. And God speaks in ways that a lot of times we can't comprehend. And the voices around us get so loud, like we're trying to navigate life on a football field. And all we really want to hear is direction from, from Jesus, the voice that counts. And Jesus makes a bold claim in John chapter 10. At the end of the chapter, that, that we're going to spend our time building up to this today in the first 10 verses. But by verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, my sheep, he's talking about us. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus seems to have confidence that if you are his child, if you're his sheep, in a sense, you'll be able to listen to him. You'll be able to hear his voice and follow him. No one will be able to take you off the right path. No one will be able to snatch you out of his hands. No one will be able to derail you or throw a bad play in your ear that messes you up for life. He says, my sheep, they know my voice. And if you live in the same world as I do, and if you have the same type of relationship with Jesus that I do, you know this phrase that Jesus says is, sometimes hard to believe. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the text that leads up to that verse 27 and ask the question of the text, where does Jesus get this confidence? How can we have this confidence that if we belong to Jesus, we will hear his voice? That like Randy said a few minutes ago, we'll be able to see him clearly because his voice is in our ear and we can walk with him one step at the time. So I'm going to give you four things, four points from this text that you can write down today. So prepare to write some things down. The first one is easy. So even if you don't have your paper out yet, you can memorize it and write it down in a second. Three words, sheep need shepherds. This is a piece of background information you need to understand if you're going to be able to hear this text from Jesus through the lens of the folks in Jesus' audience. Sheep need shepherds. Sheep get a bad rap sometimes as being dumb animals. Sheep are not dumb animals. Sheep are domesticated animals that are domesticated into living uh, in, in relationship with humans where they need them. So when I say sheep need shepherds, I don't mean sheep need shepherds like you need a latte right now. I mean sheep need shepherds like you need oxygen right now. Without shepherds, sheep cannot exist, thrive, live on this planet. Right, case in point, I want to introduce you to a sheep you may have met in the news a couple weeks ago. His name is Barack. If you want to Google him, it's B-A-A-B-A-R-A-K, not Barack like Barack Obama, Barack. Barack was found a couple weeks ago in the Australian outback. He had wandered off from his shepherd, wandered away from his flock. And one thing you might not know about sheep, as you can learn by looking at Barack, is that sheep have wool that never stops growing. And so if a sheep like Barak wanders away from the flock without a shepherd to shear them regularly, that wool just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. Barak was found with 80 pounds of wool on his body, which is cute and cuddly and kind of gross. But at the same time, you can see that Barak is starting to grow blind because his wool is going over his eyes. You may have heard that phrase. And Barak soon is going to be crippled by the weight of the wool on his back and will be unable to move. 
right? The only redeeming factor of a Barak having no shepherd out in the middle of the outback is that this wool actually can make wolves Im- or sheep impervious to wolves. There was another sheep that was found a few years ago who had a similar case going on and wolves had tried to attack him several times but they couldn't get their teeth through the wool. And so there's a bit of a turtle shell uh, thing going on here. But without being rescued and reshorn and brought back to a flock, Barak was nearing a place of death because sheep need shepherds. Sheep are actually smart, loving animals. Sheep uh, can build relationships with other sheep in a pen. Sheep have relationships with their shepherd. Sheep can recognize voices. Jesus brings this up in this passage here, that a sheep can distinguish their shepherd's voice from a false shepherd's voice. A sheep like Barak can be removed from their flock for a number of years and come back and be able to recognize 50 different individual faces of sheep that used to be in their flock and shepherds that used to be with them. They have this memory that's beautiful and allows them to be very good followers. But because of the breeding process of the domestication of sheep, there's actually also been some things that make sheep very vulnerable. Sheep have very limited eyesight. And so they can see well the faces around them. They can see the sheep in their surroundings. They can see the confines of their pen. But sheep cannot see distances. And so if a sheep wanders off, right, a sheep like wanders out to the parking lot, it's gone forever. Right? It just, it can't see us. It can't find its way back. So sheep needs shepherds to go out with their shepherd's crook and bring them back into the fold. Sheep are prone to wander, like the hymn says. And so they need shepherds to go and find them and bring them back. Sheep can get attacked by wolves. So they need shepherds to beat off the wolves because sheep have no defense mechanisms. Sheep can get hurt in the wild. So they need shepherds to go and bind up their wounds and bring them back into the flock again. Sheep are beautiful animals living in interdependent relationships with the humans who domesticated them. But sheep need shepherds. Now, this is the context that we need to understand to hear Jesus' words correctly in John chapter 10. Because if it's true that sheep need shepherds, you might be thinking, but I'm a human. Okay, we'll go there. People need pastors. That's the equivalent. I think of Psalm 23, this beautiful psalm that you've probably read even if you're brand new to church. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. We need God, our human shepherd, our pastor with a capital P and an exclamation point next to it. We also see in the scriptures that God sends humans to care for his flock. These pastors in Israel, in the book of Ezekiel, for example, or the pastors that stood around this uh, conversation in Jesus' day where these men, these Pharisees, felt like they had been commissioned by God to care for the sheep of Israel. And the truth is that without people to guide us, without the Lord to guide us as our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, we're vulnerable people. This is why these voices are difficult to us, right? Because we don't know what our future holds. We wander off in this weird direction and we have a hard time finding our way home. We are people who know what's right in front of us. We're good at loving our neighbor. We can be, I guess. But when it comes to down the road and in the future, we're just blind. And so we need someone who can see clearly. We need someone who can see distances. We need someone who can rescue us in moments of pain. We need someone who can bind our wounds to pray for us, to bring us back into the fold. We need shepherds in our lives, whether it's the humans around us who care for us, the church leaders who've been formally commissioned to care for the flock of God, or Jesus himself, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the Lord who is our shepherd. We need these shepherds. So that's the context 
of this passage. That's point number one, sheep need shepherds. And point number two is kind of gets to the meat of where Jesus is going, uh, is that there's a lot of counterfeit shepherds out there. A lot of counterfeit shepherds out there. And we, we unfolded this whole concept last week. If you want to go back in time and listen to the last sermon, we talked about uh, this concept of false teachers and people trying to bring the flock down the wrong path. And Jesus addresses this issue uh, here in John chapter 10 as uh, he starts talking a little bit uh, about this problem that exists within the sheepfold of God. He says in verse 1, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, these are the people who consider themselves the shepherds of Israel. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Sheep need shepherds, but there's a lot of counterfeit shepherds out there who want to steal the sheep. John 10 tells us that this conversation happened during the Feast of Dedication, which is what we know today as the Hanukkah celebration. And some theologians believe that during the time of Jesus, one of the customs of the Hanukkah celebration is that folks would go to their synagogues and be reminded of all the bad shepherds in Israel's history. That people would stand up in the synagogue and read from Ezekiel 34 about the shepherds that did not go after the strays, that did not heal the sick, that did not bind up the weak, that did not do their jobs, but took advantage of the flock. And over this context of counterfeit shepherds, Jesus creates this image about what good shepherds look like and who does not have access to God's people. He gives this image of a sheep pen. And this is the place that was designed by the shepherd to keep the sheep safe from harm. There's these fences that guard them. There's a gate that can open up and bring the sheep out to pasture. There's a gate that can lock down and keep them safe at night. There's a shepherd who can lead them out through the gate by his voice. And Jesus says, but there's enemies out there, illegitimate shepherds, thieves, robbers that want to steal the sheep from this pen, that want to pull them away. They want to destroy them in some way. There's a lot of illegitimate shepherds out there. You know, in this analogy of sheep and pens and all that, where would you think that Jesus would fit? You know, he's building to something, right? He's trying to draw out this analogy to say, here's where I fit in this analogy. And there's a lot of places where you feel like he could fit. Obviously, we know that Jesus is a good shepherd, right? He could say, yeah, there's thieves and robbers, Pharisees, but I'm one of the good ones. I know you guys keep wondering, am I really someone who should have leadership over God's people? I am. I'm not a thief. I'm not a robber. Stop looking at me with that side eye, Pharisees. I'm coming in through the gate. I'm leading out the sheep. I'm a legitimate spiritual worker just like you. Maybe. Jesus could be saying, I'm a legitimate spiritual worker unlike you. And he does go down that road. But before Jesus goes down that road, he puts himself in a different place in the analogy. In verse 7, you can look there with me. He gives the analogy of the sheep and the pen and the gate and the shepherds. And therefore, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I'm the shepherd yet. I am the gate for the sheep, all who've come before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep has not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. 
This I am phrase comes up seven times in the book of John. And we've talked about a few of them, right? I am the bread of life was John chapter six. We'll talk on Easter about John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. We hear when Jesus talks uh, in John, I think it's John chapter eight. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. Whenever Jesus says, I am, it's like he's trying to make a claim that he is divine. He is the God of the Old Testament. He punctuates what he's saying. We said a few weeks ago that whenever Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, it's the same thing. It's underlined, it's bolding, it's circling, it's highlighting. And here in this verse, he says, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Jesus says, I I am the entity through which you must come to get to God's people. Right, imagine Jesus talking to these religious leaders who feel like they're the gate, right? Don't, you gotta come through us, Jesus. If you wanna have access to God's people, we need to give you the stamp of approval. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You can write this down, this is point number three. Jesus determines who has access to the people of God. He says, I am the gate. If you don't come through me to get to God's people, you are illegitimate. You are not getting through me because I'm the gate. But if, I, if you want to have access to God's people, you've gotta come through me first, right? That's like John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I'm the gate of the sheep. If the sheep need to be kept safe, they come into this place and I close behind them and I keep them safe. He says, but at the same time, I'm not a God who keeps my people in a cage. When it's time to go find pasture and freedom, I open and they go out and I keep them safe in the pasture. They are able to have fulfillment in life through me. I am the gate of the sheep and anyone who tries to access the people of God that does not go through me is a robber and a thief. Now, this is a bold claim. It's a bold claim that's also a little bit helpful for us as we think about all the voices that come at us day by day. Because if it's true that Jesus is the gate, then that means that Jesus should be the gate for your mind. And if Jesus is the gate, then he should be the gate for your decision making. If Jesus is the gate, he should be the one who determines who has access to your children. Jesus should be the one who determines who you date, who you step into formal relationship with, who you do business dealings with. Jesus should determine what you believe politically. He should determine what you believe socially. He should determine how you respond to things happening in the community because everything in this world, every voice, every person has to come through him to get to you. Right? This is not merely a statement of don't let toxic people get into your life, but make them deal with Jesus first. This is a statement that not only is his the only voice that we should listen to, but any other voice in this world that's worth listening to, we need to put it through the filter of Jesus, of God's word. You know, there's a lot of voices out there. We talked about this last week. We're trying to figure out what the data says. We're trying to figure out what science says. We're trying to figure out how to submit to our governing authorities. Right? All these different voices. And in that whole conversation, we submit ourselves to Jesus and say, well, what does Jesus say about submission to authority? What, what does Jesus say about how, uh, how God created the world? What does Jesus say about who we should listen to and who we shouldn't? What does Jesus say about my humility, about my posture, about my love, about how I approach people, about what do I do when someone is sad? And what does Jesus say about these things? His is the filter through which all must come to get into us. And his is the voice that we need to listen to if we want to be guided well. He's the gate. 
I had an opportunity yesterday to spend some time with the Jewish congregation here in Castro Valley, the uh, Temple Shirami over by Lake Chabot was on Zoom. They invited me to come in and talk a little bit about Christians and what Christians believe and how it relates to Israel. And we had a great conversation. It's been really fun to get to know the rabbinical student who leads over there. And, and through our conversations, I've been really struck with, with something, which is this, that, that we're very similar. And we read the same holy texts, like 27 of the books, or how many books are in the Old Testament? 30, uh, Harry, you know, how many books are in the Old Testament? 66 books in the Old Testament, thank you over there. Uh, I guess I'm not a really good Jewish person. (sighs) Regaining composure. 66 books of the Old Testament, we, we have the same holy text. We talk about texts that aren't. We were talking about Tobit yesterday, different apocryphal books that the Catholic Church believes in. And they said, oh yeah, we don't take those either. We take the canon. And so we start talking about the Torah and the writings and the prophets. And as we're talking, I'm realizing we are so similar in so many things. We're talking about the end times. And they're saying we're waiting for Messiah to come. And he's going to uh, bring us into this messianic kingdom. I'm like, oh my gosh, so are we, right? This is amazing. We're so similar in so many ways, right? And I guess you know where I'm going to say, except for one. And so at the end, Rabbi Michael said, Danny, what? If you could say one thing to the Jewish community, what would it be? If you could equip every Jewish person with a mentality of what Christians believe and how they're different, what would you say? I thought, honestly, I said, honestly, I would point out just how similar we are in so many things. And I would hope that they would understand that the the one difference that distinguishes the church of Jesus from, from the nation or the civilization of Israel is Jesus. Everything that we're talking about in the Old Testament, we believe is fulfilled in Jesus. You're talking about awaiting this Messiah. So are we. His name is Jesus. And I didn't say that in a weird dogmatic way. I wasn't trying to be proselytizing in that moment, right? But that is the truth that everything that we believe together as Jewish folks and Christian folks, they go through Jesus with us, that he becomes the gate for our theology. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. He's what the prophets were speaking about. He's to which the law was pointing. He's the lamb who was sacrificed for our sins. I said, for example, you believe that that we're not sacrificing because the temple's gone. But we look at the reason that God would have us not sacrifice, and it goes through Jesus. We, we believe that he is the Passover lamb who ended the sacrificial system forever. So through Jesus, we understand where we are today. Yes, we believe that we are eagerly awaiting a savior, a Messiah, to enter us into the kingdom of heaven. We believe that he's come before, and he's coming again, and his name is Jesus. And we believe that all of human history goes through Jesus. He is the gate. He is the one through whom the true sheep of Israel go through and find pasture and life in the kingdom. He is the one who saves us from harm. He is the strong tower whose door we run through and the righteous run into it and we find salvation there. He's the gate. You know, there's a lot of confidence that comes with knowing that Jesus has our back, that he's the gate, he's locked down tight, we're safe in his arms. Hallelujah. Yet, I think we need to be honest with the fact that Jesus starts this passage by talking about the type of people who don't go through the gate, right? He says there's people that don't respect the boundaries of the gate, right? They cut the lock, they jump the fence, they come over the back, right? These are, these are thieves and robbers. And so it's beautiful to have this image that we're a sheep and we're safe behind the gate. But Jesus says, just so you know, someone might jump the back fence and try to pluck you out of the sheep pen. 
Right? And this is a big fear that a lot of us have as, as Christians because some of us know people who we feel like were one of us at one point and now they're gone. I was telling the nine o'clock service, it, it kind of feels like this last year with COVID-19 was like the blip from the Avengers or something. Like I'm looking around like, where did everybody go? Are they coming back? Do people get plucked from among us? I know some of us have been in marriages where, where after years of marriage, our husband comes out and says, you know what, I don't think I'm a Christian anymore. Boom, they're gone. So who, who, who came to kill their faith? We think about our kids going off to college. We wonder what voices are coming at them. People who want to jump over the fences we created for our kids and take them away down a road we don't want them to go. So there's a lot of confidence for us as believers that knowing that Jesus will protect us as the gate. And yet there's some fear that we can feel because not everyone in this world respects the boundaries that Jesus lays out. And the ones who really cause damage to God's people are the ones who jump the fence and try to take down the sheep from the outside. False teachers. Wolves in sheep's clothing. That's why I love when, when Jesus... Uh, goes into this passage, he, he doesn't merely tell us that he is the passive defensive mechanism in the sheep pen. He also says, I am the offensive weapon to keep you safe. Now, if you're taking notes, this is the last of the four points. Write this down. Jesus gives us confidence that he himself will lead us. Right, it's one thing for Jesus to be the gate, and that's beautiful, we talked about it, but listen to where Jesus goes next. Write this down first. Jesus gives us confidence, he himself will lead us. And then I wanna point your eyes at a verse where he tells us something else in, in verse 14. Jesus says, another I am statement. We get two in John 10, it's amazing. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He says, I am not just the one who passively keeps you safe from harm. I'm the one who's got my eyes out looking for people who are trying to destroy, me, destroy you. I'm the one who looking, who's looking for wolves. I'm the one who, who is looking for you when you stray. I am the one who is calling you out and leading you by my own voice. I am leading you personally. So it's not merely that you're safe in my arms, but I myself will keep you safe actively with my role as the shepherd of your soul. And it says a similar thing down in verse 27. I'll, I'll read you a couple of these. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, they follow me. In verse 28, it says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. In verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says, I'm not like one of those hired hands who runs when danger comes. I'm not like someone who's gonna bail on you in your darkest moment. I'm not like your friend who didn't call you when your loved one passed away. I'm not like those people. I am a good shepherd. I'll go to death to keep you safe. You know, we think about what, the beauty of Jesus Christ. He, he's our gate, he's our protector, he's our shepherd, he's our leader. But he also becomes the sacrificial lamb, doesn't he? He becomes one of us, one of the sheep, one of the pen. And he offers himself up as the perfect spotless sacrifice so that we might have life. He is taken to death so that we won't have to be. So I lay down my life for my sheep. I'm in it all the way. What Jesus is trying to do is distinguish himself from these leaders of Israel 
give himself this position of authority of I'm the one through which all leaders need to go and then give reassurance to those of us who are part of his flock that we're safe in his arms. You know, if you're not someone who writes stuff down, I'm going to make you write this down anyway. I'm giving you a bonus thing. Write this down. If you are a believer in Christ, your life is safe in his capable hands. And Jesus is every aspect of this analogy. And this good shepherd picture that he gives us is one that should give us reassurance and hope. And we look back at church history, and you can actually see that this idea of Jesus, the good shepherd, is one of the most powerful metaphors given to the church. All the earliest art uh, that's found in different caves and places where Christians were meeting depicted Jesus as the shepherd. We can put a few of them on the screen for you so you can see them. There's this image that we see of, of Jesus with the sheep over his arms, Jesus among the sheep, feeding, talking, Jesus in these safe places where he's actively protecting, he's caring for one that is hurt, he's feeding those in the flock, they're safe in his mix, he's looking out to see what's coming, he's keeping his people safe, he will persevere that flock until the end. And Jesus gives us tons of confidence in this passage about the role that he has in protecting our identity as children of God. He gives us confidence uh, in these verses about the, the voices and the people who come after us. He says in verse 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. If you're ever worried, can the devil get me and take me away from Jesus? He can't. Jesus says, I'm a shepherd who loses none of my sheep. I will leave the 99 to find the one left behind. You will persevere till the end. He says in verse five, when voices come in that are not his, he gives confidence. He says, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus says, if you are my people, no one's going to get you. If you are my people, no voice is going to lead you astray. If you are my people, yeah, sure, Satan's coming after you. He will not be able to prevail because you're mine. Right? Those of us who have had hard experiences in life with loved ones and kids and spouses that have gone astray, we know this is, this is a complicated issue. We see things, we talked about wolves in sheep's clothing. We see this idea that some that are part of this sheep pen aren't really sheep. There's this idea of sheep and goats that are separated on the last day. There are some people who maybe were with us before COVID-19. Maybe they thought they were Christians, but it turns out they weren't, right? Or you were in a marriage, you thought you were married to a believer. It turns out he wasn't or she wasn't, right? There are complicated things in life. But Jesus brings confidence and reassurance to you who are a Christian, to say, if you've been saved, if your life has been transformed by Christ, if your heart is his, if he is your gate and he is your shepherd, no one can take that away from you. If you go prodigal, he's going to bring you home. If you get hurt, he's going to forgive you. If you need restoration, he will restore you. If you need guidance, he will lead you. If an enemy comes, he will protect you. See, he's your gate. And he's your good shepherd. I want to leave you with a question that maybe might kind of help you discern, okay, am I a real Christian or am I one of those people that thinks I am? And here's the question for all of us, Christians, non-believers, whoever you are, will you trust Jesus to care for your soul? And if you're a Christian, you're probably saying, yes, amen, yes. But sometimes that's easier said than done. You release your life into his hands, even in this moment. 
Release your future into his hands when things are hard because life has gotten rough. We release your present into his hands. When you need to make a decision, you have no idea where to turn. Will you trust your life to Jesus even today? If you're someone who's not a believer, the question applies. Will you hand your life to Jesus? You've been trying to live it on your own. Now give it to him. Will you trust him to be the shepherd of your soul? Will you trust him with your soul? If you're a Christian, Jesus says, you know my voice. You know the thing you're doing is wrong, so stop. (laughs) You know I'll forgive you, so stop and repent. You know this is a good idea, so do it. You know I'm calling you to make this choice, so go after it. Trust me, even when you're unsure, I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's a lot of voices out there, a lot of voices out there. But Jesus says, if you are mine, you know how to discern the one voice that matters. Listen to him as he leads you to life. Let me pray for us, and we'll respond in song together.